your Locked On Canadiens, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 496 of Locked On Canadians. And thank you for making us your first listen of the day every single day of the week. We are available on every podcasting platform for free. I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Matla, and I'm joined, as always, by my co host, the active stick, Laura Saba. Laura, how are we doing with a slightly extended break from the Montreal Canadiens? You know, I thought I would be looking forward to not having them play games so that we could talk about other things. And I I do. I am enjoying the fact that we can talk about nice and happy things. But at the same time, I thought that win against Nashville would have started some momentum. So it would have been nice for them to have just like a one or two day break so that they could carry it. They have a tall order against the Washington Capitals, who people expected would disappoint, and instead they've done the exact opposite. So I'm cautiously optimistic that the game won't be too embarrassing. How's that? Well, we will find out tomorrow night uh, when we recap that game for everybody. We're going to kind of shift attention to things that are actually happening, and Jeff Merrick was on Sportsnet 590 and mentioned that Ken Holland has been kind of given a blank ticket to improve the left side of the Oilers defense. And there's a lot of interest in Ben Sherratt, including first round pick or high end prospects. And my first thought is, oh, my God, what are we actually waiting for? And all I can think is Ben Sherratt as an Oiler makes too much sense. I think Sherratt's been fine this year. I think he's a very useful defenseman in the right role. I have zero faith that the Oilers will use him as such, and if they want to give us a first-round pick or a top prospect for him, uh, I would drive to Montreal. I will spend the $150 on a PCR test, go to Montreal, pick up that <laughs> handsome man, drive him to Trudeau Airport, fly with him to Edmonton, and escort him to meet Ken Holland myself, if that's what the actual asking price is. That's the thing. And this is why it leads me to believe that that's probably not on the table because even Mark Bergevin isn't as married to defensive defensemen as that. Like if you have the opportunity to improve your future, that's what you do. So I'm thinking there is interest in Sherratt, particularly since he's improved his game a lot this year. And also there's a lot of old school GMs that fall in love with the idea of defensemen, you know, we're not going to judge. You can you can feel free. But at the same time, if that was really on the table, Mark Bergevin would have jumped at it. You know, there's no sense in keeping a guy whose contract is expiring when you have such a good return for him on the on the table. And that's not to say that Ben Sherrod has not impressed me this year. I think at the beginning he was struggling. I think when he moved his game to be more offensive and mobile, maybe he's not the most skilled guy on the roster at that. Like he's not going to be as good as a Jeff Petrie, for example. And notwithstanding, the struggles notwithstanding, but he's done a really good job. And I think if Edmondson is coming back and there's interest in Sherratt and there's going to be a good return, you do it. And and that this is me saying, you know, I, I love Ben Sherratt, but it's okay to let him go, right? Like this is the thing, this is the kind of thing a team in a rebuild needs to do. 
I think part of the reason this hasn't happened yet, and someone brought up a good point, is sometimes teams might suffer catastrophic injuries and the bidding changes entirely. Like Philadelphia is missing Ryan Ellis for another four to six weeks. And I can't remember the other team who's missing someone, but it's like there are injuries out there. The Oilers are also missing Mike Smith right now long term. They need a goalie. And the Canadians have, I don't want to say a glut of available NHL goalies, but someone like Michael McNiven might be of interest to them in that they need cheap depth replacements right now for the time being. There's a lot that's going to happen. And I do think that this is a trade that's going to happen. I think Ben Trot's going to be high on a lot of teams lists. And I was joking around with our friend Ian about this is that the worst thing the Canadians can do is see all this attention around him and go, we need to extend him right now. No, you don't. You let him go out the door. He had a great three years here. He was a very serviceable defenseman. He had a lot of great moments. He's very handsome. But if other teams want to pay a first round pick, if you're telling me I could get someone like Dylan Holloway, a Carter Savoy, a uh, Xavier Borgol, take that. You need those prospects. You need more first round picks in your system to develop and build back. Yeah, you have guys like Suzuki and you have guys like Caulfield and Romanov. They're not considered prospects anymore. You need to get that next wave in there right now. And right now it's kind of lacking a real guaranteed kind of thing. Caden Gooley is good. Riley Kidney and Xavier Simono and some of these guys in the queue look great, but there's no guarantee. Savoy, Holloway, Borgo all look fantastic in the Oilers organization right now. I I get why they're being patient, but the 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 worst possible thing they could do is see all this attention surrounding Ben Schrott and go, oh, maybe we should just extend him now. And it's just, don't do that. I need them to think logically. And if Mark Bergman doesn't want to trade him for whatever reason, as we'll talk about in our next segment, then just get him out of there. Get someone who will do what's best for the team, not what they think is best for themselves. I absolutely agree. And again, we've talked a lot because it's, it's on the, you know, he's on the hot seat and lots of people are saying, you know, what are they waiting for? All of that. I think that mentality is just not misguided or anything. Like people have a point. This is a, I think it's worth more than a billion dollars now, the, the hockey team. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it is, it, it's a big business and you need success. And if you look at, you know, the, the attendance at the arena, if you look at the interest, I mean, we ourselves can feel it in the podcast too. Like people are, are a lot more interested in the episodes we do that aren't covering games than the ones that, that are, uh, and that that's saying something, you know? And so, um, I think, I think, yes, it might be time for a change, but at the same time, again, like I keep talking about this, it's like, he's already on the last year of his contract. A lot of people are saying that's a bad sign because it means that the team is thinking of keeping him. Molson's keep thinking of keeping him, but I just fit, feel like at this point, you've, you've, or it's already a lost season. You might as well see how bad they can be and, and how high a draft pick they can get. But as I said, like even Mark Bergevin, if there's a really good offer on the table, cannot pass that up. And we're going to talk about Mark Bergevin and his dealing with defensemen and prospects and so much more coming up right in our next segment. But first, anyone who's followed the show, we are at almost 500 episodes and there are a lot of you. God bless you all. Thanksgiving's around the corner and we want to tell you about Built Bar because it is the new holiday dessert. You can feast on something delicious and feel good about it. Pie can be loaded with a bunch of stuff, but Built Bar, low calorie, low carb, low fat, high protein, 
covered in 100% real chocolate. I'm telling you, stick them in the fridge. You get a nice, cool treat, especially those grasshopper brownie bars. They are phenomenal. And they're not just for dessert. You can take them to work in the morning. I have them on my drive to work, driving down the Skyway, crack open a Built Bar and help get my morning started right. And the best part is there are new limited time flavors arriving at Built.com regularly. So just keep an eye out for that. And Black Friday is right around the corner and they are going to have a huge event with all all sorts of surprises. So just go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and you're going to get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. As always, thank you for making us your first listen of the day here at Locked On Canadians. We are free and available on all podcasting platforms. And while Mark Bergevin is recovering from his bout of COVID-19 as he starts to feel better a little bit, he talked with 91.9 Sports, uh, if I have, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, they host the Rocket Games for... Uh, the Canadians. And there was a quote, he was asked about Jordan Harris and his quote was translated through Twitter. So if this is not great, uh, my apologies. If he, Jordan Harris wants to go play in Boston because he likes the Bruins or he wants to go play in New York because he likes the Rangers, there's not much we can do. And to me, there's been a lot of back and forth on whether or not Jordan Harris is going to sign with this team. They kind of let him go back for a senior year, even though I think he probably could have won a spot in the NHL this year. There's been a lot of back and forth on this. And my biggest fear is that they're just going to let him go because they don't think they can sign him. And Bergevin's quote to me feels very defeatist. You're one of the most storied franchises in all of sports, not just hockey, all of sports. You were worth a billion dollars. You went to the Stanley Cup final last year, and you'd probably be able to guarantee this person playing time, Jordan Harris, that is, going into next season. And your first thought is, well, he might want to go play for another team, so I guess that kind of sucks for us. What am I going to do about it? Anything. You try something. If you want to have him here, show him that you want him here. If you're going to trade him, do what other teams did. Adam Fox got traded twice and he won a Norris trophy. I'm not saying Jordan Harris is going to be Adam Fox, but the opportunity is there. And it feels like Mark Bergevin is just kind of letting this one slip away because he's kind of going, ah, well, I guess that's all we can do right now. And it's extremely frustrating to watch. That's the thing. It's like, you never know with Montreal, are we blowing things out of proportion or is it a cause for concern? And it's really interesting because after that off that postseason run that the Canadians had, you would think that, you know, anybody would be more than ready and willing to sign and, you know, looking forward to joining the organization. And then they had that bad off season and now they're having a bad season. And now it's kind of like a turnoff. So when it comes to a player, it's not about whether he likes the Bruins or he likes the Rangers or whatever. Like a player is going to sign with a, a team who's going to play him. Nobody's going to sign to languish in the minors. That's not their choice. That's not what they want or a team that he thinks can win. If you can offer both, then, you know, you have the best shot of getting a player. And right now the Canadians aren't offering winning. They might be able to offer him a spot right out of, you know, as soon as he signs. Yes, absolutely. That's entirely possible. But or likely, I would say, given 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 the depth of defensemen on this team. Uh, but, you know, 
the Canadians are always going to be competing with a winner. And that's the, the sad truth of it is if he hasn't signed by now, they're going to be competing with a winner. And unless he really truly does want to play for Montreal for whatever reason, then yeah, like I think it's, you know, but at the same time, you're right in that it is a defeatist attitude. You should be doing what you can, even if you can't offer all of those things. If you can offer ice time, that's great. That that's that's one of the like it's a big part of it. If you can't offer winning, you have to sell them on something else, you know, like you can sell them on whatever the Canadians sold all those free agents last off season that they all wanted to join. And I think, you know, that, that that's definitely where you need to put in the work. Like your on ice product right now isn't great. It could improve with some of the people returning, but you don't know. But you can offer, sell them on the city, sell them on what it means to be a Montreal Canadian. You're going to be a superstar, you know, and, and there's things like that at play as well. But at the same time, I don't see that effort is, I think, what people are concerned about. And like whether he's bluffing or whether he's just being defeatist or whether he's in a bad mood because he's got COVID, um, you don't know. And so it is possible we are blowing it out of proportion, but it just it doesn't look like you're making every effort to sign a guy who's soon to be a free agent and a, and a, and a highly sought after one. Like if he's on the market, people are going to want him. Yeah, and that's the thing is that it's like, yeah, they can't sign him in season like they do guys in the CHL or Europe because of how the NCAA rules work. And that's a Pandora's box to open on another day here. But the effort doesn't feel like it's been there, despite the fact that Harris has kind of been that underrated defenseman. Yeah, I get I understand getting Romanov from Russia was a tough thing. Getting Norlinder to come to the U.S. for some time is tough. You had Cole Caulfield, you have these other contracts and everything. But you can't ignore this other talent that you have developing under your nose here. Like, Jaden Struble's not that far behind Jordan Harris. Are you going to let him walk too? He's built like a brick crap house, and he's going to attract a lot of attention. Harris is exactly the kind of player this team needs, and it feels very ugly that Bergevin would just kind of be like, well, if he wants to go elsewhere, we'll let him. That's how you end up making a lot of mistakes. Someone like Jordan Harris, I'm not saying they're going to be a superstar, but there's no reason they can't be a regular everyday NHL player. You know, they might get 20 points in a season if you're lucky. Who cares if they're playing good defense? And that's what he's known for. He makes smart plays. He's the kind of player this team needs right now. He's that Brett Kulak and Jeff Petrie before this season, a smart player. And they're just kind of letting it go. And I understand that maybe Harris isn't sure because of the way prospects go in and out. But you got to figure Sherratt's going to be leaving soon. Jay Weber's probably never playing hockey again, and everything else is kind of temporary. There's opportunity here for a player like Jordan Harris to make an immediate impact. And if I'm Mark Bergman, I look at that and go, look, we need your kind of talent to do this on the fly. And maybe you'll play a little bit in Laval for a little while, and then we'll call you up. That's fine. It's not the end of the world. Plus, Bell is better than most NHL arenas right now. Teams have said as much. Sell this player on it. They're not Cole Caulfield. They're not Ryan Paling. They're not, you know, guys setting the world on fire at, you know, international tournaments. But guess what? There's still a piece that you want in your in your prospect portfolio going forward right now. And I would really hate to see them lose him just for nothing. And obviously, so much more will come for this. This in a couple of months might not even matter. Northeastern might lose before the NCAAs. And Harris might sign the next day and be in the lineup wearing number God only knows what. And you know what? We'll look back and laugh at that point when that happens. But if not, 
hindsight is twenty twenty, but it looks real bad on Mark Bergevin right now. And we'll keep you obviously in the loop when we hear more, know more, everything on that, because we do love prospects on this show. And coming up on our final segment, I'm going to turn the reins over to my co-host because it is the Locked On Canadians book club once again. We are going to get learned on the business of sports and other things, and that is coming up next. It's Thanksgiving, and we know what that means. Football. And nothing goes better with football than turkey and betting. BetOnline has you covered all holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this Thanksgiving. Head to our new, updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus with promo code LOCKEDON, in all caps, to receive your bonus. And it's not just football. BetOnline has pro and college hoops, hockey, boxing, the UFC, and even your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online. We're stuffed with deals this Thanksgiving. We are back. It is our third segment. And with a couple of games not happening to the later half of the week, we are once again bringing back the Locked On Canadians book clubs. And because I don't read or haven't had time to read because I am not a learned individual, I am going to turn the reins over to my co-host who has several recommendations for our listeners, including things that I might have to check out. So I have something to listen to on my way to and from work here in Buffalo. Laura, okay. what do we got? <laughs> so this is what, what did we call it last week? It's the locked on Canadians fancy pants book club. That sounds um, about right. That sounds like something I would have you know spewed out of my mouth at some point last week. <laughs> so it's actually I didn't expect people to be this into it we've gotten such a good reaction that we might even carry it on past the holidays and we'll try and be regular uh have a regular segment per week we actually have hopefully next week if not the following week we will have one of the authors of one of the books that I have recently read um that is still available and uh, hopefully we'll get him before the holidays so you can decide whether you want to buy it for a loved one or get someone to buy it for you but before we do any of that last week I said maybe this week we'll try and talk about some books that uh are about the business of hockey and uh, so I'm only going to go right now with books that I've read uh, so far already. So I can't vouch for books that I haven't read. Uh, but so this, these, these books are one of them's from 2011, one of them's from 2007. And I cannot remember what the third book, when the third book is from. But these were all books that I started reading when I was first blogging about hockey. And I wanted to get a little bit more insight as to how things work and why things are the way they are. And the really interesting thing is these books are specifically like, I feel like they're kind of older school mentality because now we incorporate analytics a lot. We've got a lot more forward thinking people in front offices and things like this. So this is kind of like, uh, you know, when I, when I talk about 2000s hockey, this is what I mean. Um, and so the first book is called Money Players by Bruce Dobigan. And I alluded to it last week, and I'm going to talk about it again this week. And so this is a story of the lockout, uh, the rise and fall of uh, the... Uh, NHL Players Association and, you know, how salaries got to become so huge and really the inner workings of that whole, you know, the Players Association, the lockout and things like that. And this was, it took place 
before the sec- the 2012 lockout uh, and or it was released before the 2012 lockout, but it is still available. And I got a lot of I got a lot of value out of that book. Um, and it's got a lot of, you know, the sources are the players themselves or people within the organizations and things like that. And I really liked that aspect of it. And what I think it did for me was it gave me an idea of how the business works and how people think. Uh, Also, there's a considerable amount of scandal in there as well. So it's definitely worth a read. I thought it was really interesting. It was the book that I said last week that uh, Tom Durant had uh, recommended to me. And it was something that I read fairly early on when I started writing about hockey because I just, I didn't know, you know, I was a fan. I was watching. I didn't know anything about the business. And I thought that was a really valuable book for me to read at the time. And uh, then there was another one called Future Greats and Heartbreaks by Garrett Joyce. And so Garrett Joyce is known for writing both hockey fiction and nonfiction. Uh, and um, and he wrote a book on Sidney Crosby uh, quite some time ago that was really good, that got a lot of praise. But this was, I think this one was in 2007 or 2011. I can't remember. One of them was 2007, one of them was 2011. Anyway, it's fairly early. Um, And in this one, he got to be uh, in the front office as they were scouting and drafting. So it's about draft picks and how they pan out and not. And it has some inside uh inside sort of you know uh, anecdotes and things like that about players who a lot of whom are still playing in the NHL right now I believe he was I I hate to call it embedded because it it, it gives you the you know the vision of like being on a tank in like some sort of military operation but he was essentially given access to uh I want to say it was the Columbus Blue Jackets for an office and he like literally uh was able to write about it and there's a lot of stuff there about players that we know now uh, who are still playing. Uh, I can think of Phil Kessel as one of them. He comes up in the book. And it's really interesting because I liked the behind the scenes aspect of the mechanics of how it works, but it also really, really uh, gave me at the time, it was sort of when we were having it, I know we're still having them, but at the time it was really, it was really, really contentious. You know, where people were talking about stats versus the eye test and analytics people were, uh, you know, being like, for the most part, being bullied off platforms or they were bullying other people and making them feel stupid. And it was like, it was a really, really stupid time. It was, just, it was, it was one of the stupidest timelines I've ma- managed to live in, but to get that insight as to how hockey teams and hockey executives think, it is a little bit old school. There were some things in there that you were just like, eh. So I learned a lot and not, not all of it was flattering. I mean, both of these books that I'm talking about, like I learned a lot and not all of it was flattering. Um, and obviously today we're seeing more and more that some of the things that go on that we don't know about are things that we actually should, like there should be uh, a lot of light shed on those. But I just, I, I feel like I got a lot of, value out of those books, even if I didn't agree with what was going on in them. Um, And then finally, so this book is called Behind the Moves by Jason Ferris. And it's really funny. Because it's, it's a book, it's, it's, it's a book that talks to general managers who won Stanley Cups. And it's got a lot of that kind of you know, again, insider behind the scenes kind of information. And I got a lot of value out of that. But the thing that's really interesting about this book is a lot of general managers in the NHL recommend it as well. So if you ask like Kyle Dubas, like what are your top, you know, what, what 
hockey books do you recommend or what sports book do, sports books do you recommend? This is one of them. Uh, and it's really funny because he's not the only one. Uh, and then there's some like kind of old school thinking GMs as well that would recommend it. So I thought that was really, really interesting. And so I recommend all three of these books if you want to know a little bit about kind of the business side of it uh, and sort of, I don't even know if it's the business side of it, really, to be honest. It, it is, it all affects on ice stuff, but there's, you know, obviously uh, when we say hockey is a business and, this, and, and that kind of stuff, like the personalities, the behind the scenes, the decisions, the philosophies, I thought these three books were really, really, really valuable just for learning stuff that I didn't know as a person who came into the game watching games and just continued to watch games and didn't really think too much behind what was going on on the ice. So there you have it, folks. Those are our recommendations for this week. Obviously, with Christmas right around the corner, if you've got hockey-loving people or you just want some books to read on your own, I'm sure that you can find most of these on Amazon or whatever book retailers in your country of origin at this point, which I would think would be what, Indigo or Chapters in Canada, Laura? They're the same now. It's Chapters Indigo (laughs) or Indigo Chapters. Uh, They are the same. So you can get them at Chapters. You can also get most of these books at smaller retailers. They will order it for you if they don't have it in stock. Uh, And you can get it, obviously, at some of the, you know, the behemoth sites that we're not uh, we're not going to promote on this on this podcast. And there you have it, folks. And we will be back tomorrow night after the Capitals game. We're going to be talking about so much more. We're going to talk about the game. Maybe we'll fight about Thanksgiving foods, American version and so much else. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. And thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Now, when you're done with this, please check out Locked On Bets, where your boy Q and Lee Sterling have all the betting advice you need to definitely break the bank with your sports bets. We'll see you all next time.